right on cue, as you've probably heard, no sooner do we get somewhere near artificial intelligence that is intelligent as well as being artificial, than all the vultures gather trying to persuade somebody somewhere to put it back in its box. This has been going on for quite some time. I've been following it mostly on the OpenAI's own community forum where a lot of developers have been making very substantial claims, accusations, but really generally just lamenting the pace of change that the advent of the GPT family has heralded. After all, we're barely six months into the history of these remarkable technologies and already we've had two or three major upgrades starting with the, well it started of course with chat GPT and then we had GPT 3.5 turbo the March 1st edition and then the general edition and then before we hardly had had a chance to get used to that we had GPT-4, admittedly at very considerable expense, if you want to talk to it for any length of time, but something that can manage eight times as long a conversation as GPT-3.5 Turbo. And this represents a major step forward of course, in terms of the complexity of the tasks that it can be asked to do, as well as the technology itself. The developers were saying that with changes coming about so quickly one after the other, part of the problem that they've got is that it's very difficult, particularly if you're a relatively small developer, maybe even just somebody working on their own, to keep track of this and to develop your apps or whatever it is you're doing at a speed sufficient to keep ahead of the developments being announced from the OpenAI stable. And various developers have said that it's both been exhausting and demoralising and very demotivating because the trouble now is that nobody really knows that what they're working on that they hope will make a decent return for their efforts. Well, these apps are not easy to write, but whatever it is will suddenly find itself in competition with a major player because the speed of development is so fast that they can't keep up with it. And the debate has been predictable. And of course part of the problem is that it's the old VHS versus, versus Betamax story all over again. That one technology rather like something in an evolutionary niche or ecological niche overtakes another and survives and the other goes to the wall and if you happen to be a developer 
whose app goes to the wall, you're obviously pretty upset about it. One can sympathise, but it's difficult to see what one can do. The chorus of disapproval, however, has got louder and started to attract more widespread support. And so just yesterday we were reading that of all people, Elon Musk has been saying that maybe we need to press the pause button on all of this because who knows otherwise where it's taking us. But, as I've said many a time before, the genie is already out of the bottle. The cat's already out of the bag. The demons are already out of Pandora's box. And you can bet your life that any attempts that anybody makes to put this back in a box will fall foul of the usual, well, if we don't, somebody else will argument, which is very difficult in this case at least to refute. And the one thing you don't want is for Messrs Putin and Xi to have this technology when we don't. That wouldn't be very good for anybody. So that was the second. And then a third, and I'm not quite sure of the details of this, because I've been busy doing other things, is that there was some kind of security breach allegedly associated with chat GPT in Italy. And the Italian government and security services have therefore asked for chat GPT to be circumscribed, banned, if you like, from Italy for the foreseeable future, a request to which OpenAI have reluctantly agreed by essentially blocking payments. But if you can't pay, you can't get online, you can't get online, you can't use it. There are ways around it, but they're all in the end probably going to be tracked down because bank accounts can be tracked down or you couldn't get paid. So we're reminded really of the famous story of King Canute, Canute as he used to be called, who was often thought to have been a foolish king for being foolish enough to think that he could command the waves to go back at his behest. But I think a better, more credible historical story is that the king was so fed up with his advisers telling him that he could do anything that he decided to show them that he couldn't. Well, I think that showing that you can't is very much the metaphor for this, because there's no way that this technology is going to go away. I can see that under some sort of force majeure, OpenAI might be forced to close it down. I don't think they will. I mean, I don't think they'll be forced to. I think that they will just gradually add safeguards to it. But they could be forced to close it down, but it doesn't mean that now that they've shown that it can be done, and there are an awful lot of people working for them who know that it can be done and who know how it's been done, now that they've done that, 
there's no particular reason why somebody else shouldn't or won't. And in fact, it's highly desirable that they should. For groups of scientists, academics, businessmen to want it closing down on the grounds that it's going to take over the world, when at least some of them have been involved in ambitious plans to take over the world, is little short of farcical, laughable, hypocritical nonsense. It's just schadenfreude. It should have been me. But it wasn't. And a lot of people, I'm sure, are now looking at this product and thinking, cool, we could have done that if only we'd done this or this or this. But they didn't. So, watch this space. I, as I've already made pretty clear, think the technology is fantastic. I think it's enormously empowering. I think it's an enormous force for democracy. I think one of the other things that it is is a great leveller in the world of human knowledge and therefore in the world of human power and therefore in the world of human superiority that it drives a coach and horses through a lot of the assumptions behind our system. It drives a coach and horses through a lot of the sense that we make of the world which is based upon which is based upon a hierarchy of ability and an assumption that the people who do well should do well and deserve to do well because that's the way of the world when in fact many of them only do well because they have access to resources that other people don't have access to and of course that's an example that exactly matches what they're trying to do with chat GPT. They don't want this great leveller. They don't want the democratisation of the world. They don't want just any old man or his dog being able to do powerful things because that would spoil their game. And in particular, of course, although I don't suppose they've particularly got hold of this yet, it changes the way we make sense of the world which is what I've been saying for, I don't know, 315, going on 320 episodes. And uh, I've got another episode up my sleeve that I'm going to record. It's a beautiful day. Not much wind, so I think it'll work all right. And uh, we'll keep an eye on these naysayers, the Luddites of the 21st century. But as I've Hope, I hope made abundantly clear there's no doubt whose side I'm on. Of course there's a bit more to it than that. When you hear that Stack Exchange, one of them, have banned chat GPT from providing coding answers to the questions posed by their punters, I can, sh I can be sure that there will have been some very ill-advised coding suggestions because it does get things spectacularly wrong, but that just means that you've got to be on your toes. It helps you to be critical rather than simply to accept something that it gives you and run it. 
I also know from bitter experience about the absence in its architecture of a when-in-hole-stop-digging mentality. Just this morning, something wasn't running, and it proposed the most extravagant workaround to make it run. The problem was mine, because I'd done something that was preventing the whole Python system from working properly. But it doesn't tend to do that. It very rarely says, are you sure there's nothing wrong with this code? It must be something wrong with your system. It does occasionally, but not very often. ranks of educators worried about it writing essays, developers worried about it taking their jobs, scientists, entrepreneurs worrying about it reshaping the socio-political landscape of the world, and those who frequent the likes of Stack Exchange for whatever reason involved by saying that they need to get rid of the chatbot. You can see all of them have vested interests. Nobody really, that I can think of, would go on to Stack Exchange in preference to asking the chatbot if they had a relatively straightforward problem. Because, repeat, one thing the chatbot will not do is sneer at you or tell you that you really are a fool not to know something so basic and that if you don't know that you shouldn't really be involving yourself in developing software at all all of which they very readily do some of them do in these online forums so where are we? I think that we're at the stage where we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that the world has changed, that nothing can unchange it, that a lot of the things that we have done in the past, a lot of the ways that we have made sense of the world, just took a ra- radical shift into new territory, and everybody is going to have to get used to that. Everybody. And the Luddites, the naysayers, protesters, the shut it down, merchants are all just like all their predecessors who in the face of change have wanted to cry halt. But there will be no halting this.